Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, The John Campy Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you, my international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, some TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. And we do have cause to celebrate, guys. It's Friday. It's the end of another week. I hope you guys had a fantastic week, and I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Plan for yourselves ahead of you so we can get ready, rest up, and get prepared to conquer yet another week ahead. Hey, listen, guys, we got a number of things we're going to talk about here today. Disney is now moving full throttle at moving films from theaters to Disney Plus. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Coming to America 2 now has an official release date, but it's been pushed back a little bit further than we thought. Universal has conned another theater chain into signing up for a shortened theatrical window. We're going to talk about last night's episode in a non-spoiler and spoiler way, but don't worry, we're going to make sure we cover up the spoiler stuff uh, of the new Mandalorian episode that dropped last night. And uh, lots of good stuff, and I'm glad you're joining me here today. It's just you and me today, guys. Uh, There wasn't much to talk about last night, so Rob and I decided that I would fly solo today, and then all of a sudden a bunch of things dropped this morning. So that's where we're at here. Hey guys, listen, want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already and you're kind of new around here why don't you take a second and click on that subscribe button become a subscriber to the john campy youtube channel it'll keep you up to date on all the stuff that we've got going on around here also the way we organize this show is in the first half we're going to discuss these main topics and then in the second half of the show we're going to take your live comments and questions now how do you get a live comment or question on the show it's really easy go to the tip link that's in the top of the description of this video or you can enter it in manually at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show if it's reasonable. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. And all of us here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys very, very much for your support. A little bit of house cleaning, though. First, before we uh, get into the movie stuff, a little bit of an announcement per se. For those of you who follow me on any of my social media accounts, you can follow me on all the major social media stuff, just simply at John Campia, which you can see right there. Uh, I made the the announcement yesterday. So you guys know for uh, a little over a year now, I've been working on this little documentary passion project of mine called Movie Trailers, A Love Story. We can now let you know that the movie will now be made available for streaming in less than a week. On Thursday, November 26th, uh, my little documentary, Movie Trailers, A Love Story, will now be made available. And here's where you can find it. If you live in the U.S. or the U.K. or a couple of other countries, you're going to be able to get it on Amazon Video. So that's where you're going to be able to find it there. Or if you're not in one of the countries that Amazon is covering, it's also going to be on Vimeo On Demand. And that's key because Video On Demand is available worldwide. So no matter where you are, no matter who you are, you'll be able to watch uh, my movie streaming. Uh, it's going to be available for rental. It's not going to be, be available for sale right now, but it is going to be available for rental uh, at a debut price of uh, $29.99 for, a, uh, for an initial rental. I'm just kidding. This isn't this isn't Mulan. No, the, the, the rental price is going to be $5.99 at US. And uh, I hope you guys will check it out. And when you do, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope you find it interesting the way I found it interesting when I was doing it. And uh, I, I'm just very psyched. And, you know, on a personal note, guys, just let me say um, it has been a long year 
trying to get this made and then you know the pandemic hit which threw a wrench in things and we were able to get it across the finish line and one of the things that got us and by us i mean me and you know fact checker jonathan and uh, ray who's helped a lot as well get this thing across the finish line is the whenever it's come up you guys have been so encouraging uh about this project and you've encouraged us whenever we've shared little bits about it or whatever and uh i'm just so grateful to you guys for the support again i have no delusions of grandeur this is no academy caliber documentary or anything like that but it is something that me as a film fan and this whole topic of movie trailers i found absolutely fascinating and i hope that you guys will too so Check it out next Thursday and uh, spread the word about it. It would be great if you did. Anyway, guys, enough of that. Let's get in to some topics here, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campy Show? It's really simple. You guys come up with our main topics by going anytime, 24-7, whenever you see a good, interesting topic that we should be discussing here, go on over to www.thejohncampyshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show that down. Let's get into main topic. Number one, shall we? And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Alexander and Alexander writes, I just saw that variety is reporting that now Cineplex has agreed to an early VOD window with universal. Does this mean now it is pretty much all but confirmed that most of the theater chains will have to accept this? Thanks from the great white North. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, for those of you who do not know, you've probably heard me mention Cineplex a couple of times. Cineplex is like the monopoly movie theater chain in Canada. Like in US, the US, you got the, the two or three big ones. You got AMC, Regal, Cinemark. In Canada, there's only really one dominant. There's a couple of others, but there's really only one dominant movie theater chain. And that is Cineplex. Cineplex used to be my favorite movie chain in the world. Actually, you know, the movie theater, the Cineplex theater called the Ancaster Silver City, which is in Hamilton, the part of Hamilton called Ancaster. That was my movie theater. I, I literally drove thousands of miles on a couple of occasions to make sure when certain big movies were coming out that I was excited about, I had to see them in that specific theater. Now, Cineplex has fallen out of favor with me over the years. I, I really have not approved of a lot of things that they've done, and I've soured on them a lot. Quick note, though, regarding my, my movie, uh, two months ago, an actual exec from Cineplex reached out to me and asked about showing my movie I, I don't know it's because i'm canadian they thought why don't we show your movie on our cineplex screens and it was really funny they had a great sense of humor because the guy who wrote to me about it said hey i'm so and so i'm the acquisitions guy from cineplex and then he puts in brackets i know we're not your favorite theater chain right now which i i thought i hey respect that was actually pretty funny that they wrote that in uh but then you know COVID stuff theaters continue to show, it, it just never worked out but big movie theater chain in canada now as you guys know Universal has systematically been really trying to destroy the movie theater industry uh, by pushing this, by taking advantage of the fact that a lot of these theater chains are in desperate 
need right now. They're they're in a totally desperate straits right now. And Universal, like a predator, has come in to take advantage of their desperation. I just say, hey, tell you what, the theaters will let you show our movies if you shorten the theatrical window. And hey, they didn't have to say yes, but AMC was the first one to say yes. Then Cinemark said yes. And, you know, we said once the Cinemark one happened that, well, that kind of does it. The dominoes are going to fall. Like even Regal Cinemas, who were very firmly saying we will never agree to collapsing down the theatrical window. We'll never agree to that. Now that AMC and Cinemark have done it, the pressure is squarely on them. They're going to have to do it. And as an extension of that, Cineplex, the Canadian theater chain, has now agreed to the same deal. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety, who writes, Under the terms of the new agreement between Universal and Cineplex, Universal Pictures, Focus Features, and DreamWorks, all part of the Universal family, uh, Universal uh, DreamWorks Animation, can put new movies on premium video-on-demand platforms in as few as 17 days. Titles that generate at least $50 million in opening weekend ticket sales will have to play exclusively exclusively in theaters for 31 days. That is a 66% drop from what it used to be 90 days. Now it's 31. At, at most, it's 31 or five full weekends before going to VOD. Traditionally, new releases remain in theaters for up to set for 75 to 90 days before the move to digital platforms for a 1999 or as we've seen recently, like a 29.99 or a, you know, even more expensive VOD. Now, if these terms sound familiar, well, they should, because these are the terms that are pretty much similar lock and step with the Cinemark deal that we just heard, right? So basically, it's the whole idea of we will put out a movie. Universal says we will put out a movie in your theaters. And in exchange, you agree that 17 days, not 90 days, but 17 days after we put this movie in your theaters, we can put it on premium VOD. But if the movie we put in your theaters generates, say, I don't know, over $50 million in its opening weekend, then we agree you should be able to keep that movie in your theaters exclusively longer. So we'll stretch it out another two weeks. We'll move it from 17 days to 31 days. And you can have a full month and then we can take it and put it on VOD. Now, we've talked on this show ad nauseum about why a deal like this is absolutely catastrophic for the movie theaters. But again, right now, at the tail end of a massive pandemic, uh, they're in, like we said before, they're in desperate, desperate, desperate situations. So they're doing what they need to do. And like a predator, you know, Universal's is coming along to take advantage of that. Now, this is causing a domino effect in the industry, which we'll talk about a little bit more when we talk about Disney uh, in a few minutes. But it is what it is. And it really should then come as no surprise that Canada and their largest theater chain, Cineplex, were going to get caught up in this. They're in as desperate measures right now as anybody, as any of the U.S. theaters are right now, maybe even a little bit more so because the Canadian government has taken the pandemic a hell of a lot more seriously than the United States government has. And so that's that's even hurt them a little bit more. So it is what it is. It's not surprising, but you're going to see. I expect to hear that Regal uh, at some points to quote Daenerys will bend the knee. I think at some point. In the next couple of weeks, 
I have no insider information, just to be clear, but I expect probably within the next few weeks, we're going to hear Regal has also taken the knee and will take the deal. And then it's going to cause a domino effect with other studios as well. But we'll get to those when we get to those. Question is for you guys. What do you think? about this whole story and now Canada's getting in on it too. Jump on down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Amir I. And Amir I writes, Greetings, John and Rob. Well, Rob's not here today, unfortunately. I got up and read the news that Coming to America now has an official release date, but it got pushed back to 2021, March 5th, to be precise. Wasn't it supposed to come out in December or something like that? I'm guessing that since it's going to be on Amazon, that it doesn't have to worry about being pushed again. Are you excited for the new Coming to America, or do you think too much time has passed for it to be very successful? Thank you, and have a safe day. All right, thanks a lot, Amir, for writing that in. And yeah, listen, it was a number of weeks ago, maybe just a couple of months ago, I can't remember how, it wasn't long ago, that the word came out that Paramount, which Paramount has done a few times already, sold off their a movie of theirs that they were going to put in theaters and decided to ditch it over to Amazon. Not a big surprise, again, because it was, of course, Paramount doing it. Paramount had done it, I think, before with uh, Netflix a couple times. I guess this one was going to Amazon. And uh, Amazon was picking up. And you're right. If I remember correctly, I believe Amazon's original plans were to take this film, to take Coming to America 2. And I I thought it was supposed to come out around in December sometime. Well, that's not the plan anymore. They have altered the deal. The deal's been altered, which is fine. Anyway, this comes to us from the folks over at Joe Blow who writes, Coming to America 2 or coming to America, you see what they're doing there, will hit Amazon Prime Video on March 5th, 2021. The film was originally going to hit screens on December 18th, 2020 via Paramount Pictures, but the COVID-19 pandemic has caused many studios to seek out other options to release their films. And in the case of Paramount Pictures, that means selling them off to other entities, in this case, Amazon. When it was all said and done, Paramount released the film to Amazon for 100 and 25 million in a global rights deal. 125 million. That's a big number for streaming. Now, look, if this movie came out in theaters and it made 125, the coming to America under normal circumstances came out in theaters, made $125 million, ain't no studios gonna celebrate that. But they did keep the budget to this movie fairly reasonable. Amazon is looking to chomp up content like if they just did the big Borat 2 release and there's going to be others. So for them to get it for 125 million, that does seem a little bit steep, though. Like I, I, if I'm Paramount, I take that deal. If I'm Paramount and I can just get 125 million right now in a check, take it. I get it. And I think that was a decent move on their part for Amazon. I think they may have overpaid a little bit. I think they may have overpaid a little bit because I don't know if they're going to be able to see the type of returns or they're going to get as much as a big subscription boost as a result of this. But we are in the midst of the streaming wars and everybody is gobbling up and fighting for that original content. And it's probably a pretty good move on their part to acquire it because coming to America, though, is such an older film now. 
is it really worth 125 million? I don't know. Like I said, I, I suspect they may have overpaid for it a little bit. But look, getting back to the general idea about am I excited for this movie? Yeah. I mean, Eddie Murphy has been on a resurgence lately. You know, um, he has shown that his comedic timing, he's he's really learned how to master the idea of how to flow in, a, in the same single performance, how to flow in between something heavy dramatic and then into something heavy comedic right in the same scene and back again and back and forth. He does it with such ease. I mean, he just did with Dolomite and he was so good in that to see him return to this character. In a modern context, in the stylings that they did of the original, of course I'm excited. I am excited. Is it a little bit too late? It's. I'll say this. I think Coming to America 2 is too late to enjoy the kind of success it may have had a decade ago, but I still think it can be successful. I don't think it can be as successful as a sequel to Coming to America if it released in 2010. So it might be a little bit too late for that, but can it still have a nice run and still make an impact today? Yes. And I don't care about how well it does. I just know I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Question is, guys, what do you think about this? Are you like kind of upset that they pushed it as far as March 5th? To me, it's perfectly fine. COVID's not going to bump it again. So we know exactly when it's coming out now. Are you looking forward to the movie? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Eric Reitman. And Eric Reitman writes, Hey, John, I just finished watching The Mandalorian Episode 4. That'll be Season 2, Episode 4. Wow, what a ride. Carl Weathers did a great job of directing this episode. That's right, Carl Weathers directed this one. Uh, there were a ton of huge reveals in it, too. Like, I don't think any episode so far has given us more of an idea of where everything is leading than this one has. What did you think of it? And will you and Anne, and by the way, everybody everybody writes Anne with an E. Anne's does not, Anne doesn't have an E on it. My wife Anne does not have an E on it, just so you know. Um, will you and Anne do another Live open spoiler discussion about it later again. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks for sending that in. And yes, Mandalorian, the siege dropped last night. Now, listen, I'm going to talk about this in a first in a completely non-spoiler way. Okay. I'm going to talk about this first in a completely non-spoiler way. And then I'm going to spend a couple of minutes talking about some spoiler details for those of you who've seen it. But this is what I'm going to do. When I'm getting ready to talk about the spoiler stuff, I'm going to bring up this adorable picture of baby Yoda. And the world said, ah, I'm going to bring up that picture and then we'll start talking about the spoiler stuff. And then when I'm when it's safe to unmute your computer, when it's safe to unmute your computer, I'll let you know by bringing up this cute, adorable picture of baby Yoda again. OK, are we good? Are we all clear? Fantastic. Okay. Let's start talking about the Mandalorian a little bit. The siege. Gotta say, I thought the episode was great. I thought the episode was fantastic. Now, it is following. Remember, I've been saying this phrase all season so far. The journey is the story, right? The journey is the story. And that has been very, very uh, dominant, especially in this season, because pretty much every episode has followed this formula. 
Mando arrives at a place. He needs some information or help from that place. He runs into somebody who can provide him with that information and that and that help, but they need Mando to do something for them first. Mando then does that thing with them. The person then gives him the information or the things he needs at the end of it. And the episode ends with Mando now heading off to the next destination. That has been pretty much every episode. That has been the, the, the construct, if you will, of every episode of this season so far. And this episode was no different. Now, to some people, some people complain about that. But to me, again, it is the journey is the story. This is all about the travels of a lone gunslinger making his way in the untamed West, but he's got a little baby Yoda with him along the way. And you know, it reminds me a lot of me playing Dungeons and Dragons or me playing, where where is it? Right There's the book right there. See that blue book? My Star Wars role-playing game group, right? When you get into a big campaign, you don't just start off by, okay, we arrive at the villain's castle. No, you start off by the journey. And in each step of the journey, there's an adventure to be had. And while they've been doing that, little pieces of things have been being dropped in each episode that then build up and culminate. As a matter of fact, you know, we see, uh, I'm going to, no uh, plot details here, but once again, we see uh, the lead actor from Kim's Convenience. You know, the X-Wing pilot, he makes a quick appearance, right? Because he came from an episode where they were laying groundwork. And I guarantee you, I think we're going to see him again. I think we're going to see him again. And, you know, they they bring in the, the Imperials again and all that kind of stuff. And it just worked. And you're right. They, near the end of the episode, they dropped some information that has probably done more than any other episode of Mandalorian so far in furthering our understanding about where this thing is going. Like, really, what's what's the fuss about Baby Yoda been about this whole time? You know, why is Moff Gideon so obsessed? What's the bigger picture here? And this one episode, in just the last couple of minutes, really start to give us some of those pieces that we had never had before. And so, it was, again, for me, a great episode of The Journey is the Story, we got to come across some characters we know and love, <coughs> pardon me, um, and all that stuff. It was well, Carl Weathers directed, not my favorite episode of the season, but a very good episode nonetheless. So that's my general thoughts on the episode. Now, if you guys will indulge me, uh, Ann and I are going to do at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time today, Ann and I are going to do a full spoiler discussion um, of last night's episode. But I do want to just take a couple of quick minutes here to talk about some highlight things. So if you have not seen this week's episode of Mandalorian and you don't, don't want to know any of the details, hit mute now. There's Baby Yoda. Here, there's Baby Yoda. Now you can unmute it when I put Baby Yoda back, back up again, okay? When I put Baby Yoda back up again, you can unmute it. So make sure you're on mute. Okay. Oh my God. So there, there are a bunch of theories that got completely debunked with this episode, but a couple of theories that probably got enforced. Obviously, it looks like Moff Gideon. Now, look, we saw the body in the the clone body in the chamber, right? That's Snoke. Even when they're walking by him, they played little hints of the music, musical overture of Snoke's overture in it. I mean, that's Snoke. I mean, maybe it's not. It wasn't one hundred percent Snoke. 
but maybe it is. And the dark troopers. I mean, they're now that's being brought into canon. That stuff, right? So here's where it looks like they're going. I don't believe this show is going to end with Moff Gideon getting Baby Yoda and killing Baby Yoda to take his blood. I think where they might be leading this to is they place the tracker on a ship. He's going to Ahsoka. I think they let the Baby Yoda slip through their fingers when they track the Razor Crest to where Ahsoka Tano is. And I think Ahsoka Tano sacrifices herself to save Mando and the baby. And in doing so, that's where they get the midichlorians, the M count. You notice they wouldn't even say the word midichlorians. I don't even think you'll ever hear them use the word midichlorians, but they'll get the M count from their blood to inject it into the clones. And therefore we will be, that will be the birth of Snoke, right? That, I mean, at least that seems where they're going with this. Now, whether they do, and listen, I'll tell you what, if they do that, one, I won't be surprised at all that Dave Filoni will be putting Ahsoka Tano right at, at the center of the story again. But at the same time, I'll also be kind of impressed that Dave Filoni would oversee Ahsoka Tano dying. So I don't know. We'll have to wait to see how that all plays out. And maybe that's that's not what will happen at all. Maybe that's not what will happen in the least. But it seems to be where they are pointing. All right. Like I said, Ann and I will will discuss this much further. We'll take your comments and stuff like that on it uh, on the spoiler discussion later this afternoon. Come and join us for that. Okay. And now we're okay. We're spoiler free again, guys. We're spoiler free again. Come on back. Come on back. We're good. We're good. Anyway, that's my uh, thoughts on this week's episode. Again, we'll go into it in much more detail a little bit later this afternoon. So if you're free, come on by and join Ann and I at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time today. All right, guys. With all that down, let's now move on to our fourth main topic today. And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Jay Master. And Jay Master writes, Hey, John. It looks like the theatrical experience is uncertain now, and as Deadline is reporting, Disney has pulled three, not one, not two, but it looks like maybe three, is pulling three of their tentpole family remake films from its theatrical release to a Disney Plus premiere. Those films include Pinocchio, starring Tom Hanks, Cruella with Emma Stone and Emma Thompson, also Peter Pan. As we all know, the Disney goal is to is focused more to streaming. What are your thoughts on Disney pulling this these movies straight to Disney Plus? Do you think we could see other Disney movies following the same pattern? All right, thanks for sending that in, man. And uh, yeah. No Sue Prize. We talked on this show the other day about and where we broke down the overall master plan that Disney has for Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus, what they call direct to consumer product. They have been insisting that Disney is going to become a direct to consumer company. That's what they're doing. They've re they've reorganized their whole company to point everything towards Disney Plus and those other streaming outlets as well. And we talked about that in terms of Black Widow. And now it seems like they're really putting their foot to the gas because now they're accelerating things even more. This comes to us from Deadline that writes, Deadline hears that the uncertainty of the future of the theatrical marketplace has Disney looking at launching a number of its upcoming tentpole family films on Disney+. Plus. 
Instead of the theatrical release bows that were envisioned when the films were developed and greenlit, at this point, the films being discussed to make that pivot are Cruella, the Craig Gillespie-directed live-action reimagining of the animated classic that stars Emma Stone and Emma Thompson, the Robert Zemeckis-directed Pinocchio that has Tom Hanks starring in it, and Peter Pan and Wendy, the David Lowry-directed film that has Gronish star Yara, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, Shahidi, set to play Tinkerbell. Disney is making major, major moves. And this should not surprise. If you watch the video we made the other day, this should not surprise anybody in the least. Disney has signaled to us for a long time that this is the direction they're heading in. But it was originally going to be a matter of years. They were going to take years. But just in October, we heard Bob Chapek say that the stuff with COVID and all kind of stuff has put Disney in a place that they are now accelerating their plans and accelerating those plans at light speed. Absolutely accelerating those plans at total, absolute light speed. They want to bring these movies now to direct. They want to bring these all in. Now, it should be noted that in the video the other day, I did say that I believe it is likely that not definitely, and I won't be surprised completely if they don't, but I believe it is likely that Black Widow will be announced on December 10th, that Black Widow will be announced on December 10th, that it's going to be making the move over to Disney Plus as well. It should be noted that in the Deadline article, Deadline saying we're not hearing anything about Black Widow being making that move. So it should be noted. Deadline is saying they're not hearing that Black Widow is going to go to straight to Disney+. Plus. They didn't say it's not, but they didn't hear that it was. So take what I'm saying with that grain of salt. I still believe it's likely it will. The point here is when we start looking at things like Universal basically screwing up the theatrical model for companies like Disney who knew how to use the theaters properly to make big money for themselves and big monies for everybody. Universal's kind of been screwing that all up. So that plus COVID and all that kind of stuff and the success they've had this year, Disney plus has 73 million subscribers, which by far surpassed their even most ambitious estimates. That has put Bob Chapek in a place that he says we are accelerating our plans. And so to hear that Cruella, Peter Pan and Wendy, uh, Pinocchio, it's not surprising at all to hear that these films, particularly family-friendly films, are going to be making that move. And I'm going to tell you what, these won't be the last ones. These won't be the last ones. While I am not certain, I still believe it is likely that Blackwood will make that move. And I think we're going to hear about more. So this is the new reality. This is it. Now, if you had talked to me in February, I would say, no, none of this will happen. None of this will happen. But that was a John Campion that really thought that like by June, the pandemic would be behind us. And then in June, when you asked me, I'm like, well, I mean, yes, yeah, some things are going to make the, sh the shift, but hey, the theaters are going to be fine. The theaters are going to be fine. Well, that was the John Campion who thought by like September, the pandemic would be behind us. And now here we are in November. <laughs> We got record numbers and spikes. We're seeing the growth of Disney Plus, Universal making these moves against movie theaters. It's just a completely different world. And so I see this and I am not surprised in the least. And you're going to see HBO Max with Warner Brothers films. You're going to see Warner Brothers start to do that as well, which we saw with Wonder Woman the other day. So not surprised at all in the least. 
And this is the new reality. Anyway, question is, guys, what do you think about this? Were you surprised to hear these three major films are going to be making that move over to Disney Plus? At least that's what Deadline is saying at that point. Do you think this is just the tip of the iceberg like I do? Maybe you think it's going to be a one-time thing. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. Okay, guys, listen, with that down and being said, uh, I need to just fix a quick technical issue that I'm having on my things here. So I'm going to take like a, a one to two minute break here. If you haven't done a break in a while, have I? But if you will indulge me, I'm going to take just like a one or two minute break here. And then we will be right back to take your live questions. Don't go anywhere, guys. I will be right back. Thank you for indulging me. Just had to fix a little glitch I was having there, but we're back and we're ready to go. So let's now take the rest of the show and take your live questions. Once again, if you've got a live question you want to get on, simply use the tip link that's in the top of the description of this video, or if you want to put it in manually, simply use streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment and question on the show if it's reasonable. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. Okay. Let's get to it, shall we? And we're going to start things off here with John Klobuchar, who writes, This whole Gina Carano thing is getting blown way out of proportion. Unless she has said something hateful about minorities or thinks they should be burned alive, it's really none of our business. Listen, I will say this. And, and kind of Aaron and I touched on this a little bit the other day. Everybody is allowed to have an opinion about something. But that means if you express that opinion, other people are allowed to have opinions about you. That's, that's something I live with every day. Like, it ain't easy getting on here live nonetheless. Like, doing this show live is, is so panic-inducing stressful because, it you know, everybody else does very, like, really easy pre-recorded stuff. So if they accidentally say the wrong thing or whatever, they can just edit it out real nice and easy and you'll never know. I do two hours a day live. And I'm like everybody else. I can say something stupid that maybe I later regret, but too bad I did it live, right? And and even when it's stuff that I say on purpose and whatever, and maybe even stuff that I wholeheartedly believe in, I'm going to always give you guys my honest thoughts, right? You don't have to agree or disagree, but my job is to give you my honest opinion. It's not, I say it all the time, right? My job isn't to say what you agree with. And my job isn't to get you to agree with me. My job is to give you my honest opinion and hopefully give you my honest thoughts and opinions and positions on things in such a way that they help you shape and clarify your own point of view. That's all my job is. But when you give your opinions on things, other people are allowed to have their opinions of my opinions, right? Other people are allowed to have that. Sometimes it's really positive. Sometimes it's not so positive. And that's Life. That's life, right? So if Gina Carano wants to get online and say some really idiotic things, then other people are allowed to have opinions about her and they're allowed to express their opinions about her and what her opinions are and stuff like that. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. That said, there is a fundamental difference between having an opinion about somebody's opinion and wanting that other person to be persecuted and lose their livelihoods and lose their career because they have that opinion. Now, look, it's not one flat general rule. 
there are a million variables and there are extreme situations. There are maybe sometimes things people can say that they should probably be taken out of the public eye. And listen, a company, when you work for a company, you have to accept that the things that you do reflect on that company you work for. You've got to accept that. I'm not going to lie to you. There were there were a couple of occasions where both at AMC and when I was at Collider that we had to pull people in. They weren't, they were just doing, hey, they were just expressing their own thoughts and things and things. But we've had to, on a couple of occasions, pull people into the office and say, listen, you are associated with us. And so when you go out and do certain things and say certain things, that maybe it's not your intention, but what you're doing is a reflection on us. And you've got to be careful to not cross a line where you might be doing things that are reflecting on us that we don't want reflected on us. And if you become a liability, then we're going to have to part ways with you. That's just the reality. And if Disney feels like they're, you know, things that Gina Carano or anybody else, whether it's John Favreau or anybody else, if they feel that somebody who is associated with them is damaging their company's reputation, then they may have to part ways and they have the right to do that. But I, I don't think the Gina Carano situation meets that threshold. I think the Gina Carano situation is somebody giving an opinion as dumb as I think some of her opinions are. Eh, they're her opinions. And I can think they're dumb and I can say on my show that I think her opinions are dumb and I can do all that. But calling for her job? No. No, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But anyway, but, but make no mistake, John Klobuchar, that other people are still allowed to have their opinions about what she says. And uh, that's just the way the world works. It goes both ways, man. It goes both ways. All right. Uh, next up. Uh, like, because here's the thing too, there's just one other thing I bring this up, but another good example of this on the flip side is Dwayne, the rock Johnson, right? Dwayne, the rock Johnson came out and he said, I endorse this person to be president. That's all. He just said, Hey, I think this person would make a really good president. I endorse this person. And like Gina Carano, he got a whole bunch of hate for it. You know, there was even some move to try to get a DVD burning of Dwayne The Rock Johnson movies and people saying you should never let your children watch Dwayne Johnson movies again, all because he had an opinion about who he thought should be president. And I thought that was equally as dumb as calling for Gina Carano's job. I thought that was equally as dumb. So it goes both ways. Everybody's in there and oh, so on and so forth. All right, we move on now. Andy Hong writes. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. This is, of course, what they carry on is the, the song that they begin every season finale of Supernatural. Uh, there'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Tonight is the final ride. This was obviously written in yesterday. Tonight is the final ride with Sam and Dean. I don't know how to say goodbye to them, but I do know how to say thank you. Going to buy some food, get some pie, and watch the two-hour finale. Fun fact, the song Carry On, Wayward Son, was released on November 19th. No way, really? was released on November 19th, nineteen. 76. The Supernatural series finale is titled Carry On, which will air tonight on November 19th, 2020. That was, of course, again yesterday. Uh, talk about perfect timing. That I had no idea about that. I had no idea that timing lined up like that. That's pretty amazing. Seriously, one of the best things, one of the best traditions in all of television is, like I said, every single season of Supernatural, the season finale always begins with 
you know, you know, like every show, for those of you who don't watch Supernatural, every show has previously on Lucifer, right? So they do a little thing like that too, but instead of saying previously on Supernatural, they have this word come up that says then. And then they show what previously happened on the show. And then that ends with the word now, which means, okay, now our story starts with this week's episode. But in the season finale of every season of Supernatural, when they do the then, they recap kind of the whole season in a quick montage and they play it. They do it to the music of Carry On My Wayward Son. It's a fabulous tradition. And uh, I have no doubt they did that last night. I have not yet seen the series finale. The series finale, the 15-year series finale of Supernatural was last night. I didn't have a chance to watch it. I'm going to watch it today. But uh, yeah, thus comes the end, one of the great traditions in television. All right, MD writes, one of two. Desperately hoping UK cinemas are reopened by the time Wonder Woman 84 comes out. We don't have HBO Max here, so films that go uh, on there end up on Sky for $20 or $27 American, 27 pounds. Uh, I'd rather pay for an HBO subscription than pay that much for each film and only for my boring TV. And I know eventually we'll get used to it and things will get more structured, but it's really annoying for international markets having to figure out how to watch these major releases or that'll cost more. Yeah, it, um, that is one of the unfortunate sides. It's, it's part of growing pains though, right? When, whenever there's a new technology or a new kind of forming industry, there are going to be growing pains at first. Disney Plus launched with Mandalorian while most of the world couldn't have Disney Plus yet. Right? Uh, and that was unfortunate. Not everywhere has HBO Max. And so this Wonder Woman's going to drop and everybody's going to see it who are in the markets that have HBO. And say, well, no problem. The places that don't have HBO will put it in theaters. Yeah, but a lot of people aren't going to theaters right now. And a lot of theaters aren't open. And with all these new spikes, what theaters are open, a lot of them are getting shut down again. And that's why I said on this other show, uh, on this show the other day, that I think you're probably looking at Wonder Woman being one of the most pirated movies of all time. <laughs> I think it's going to end up being one of the most pirated movies of all time. Anyway, MD, I hope they're able to work out a good, good way for you and other international friends to be able to see it uh, easily and uh, and safely. So I hope they're able to work something like that out for you, MD. But it is, it's an unfortunate part of the growing pains. You know, two years from now, this won't be an issue. But right now, we're kind of in that growing page, uh, that growing pains uh, stage. The Nerd Errant writes, uh, is Wonder Woman 84 coming to HBO Max a good idea? Uh, well, it's getting me uh, to finally sign up next month. Again, at the end of the day, look, is putting Wonder Woman 84 on HBO Max a good idea in the short term? No, it's not. They're not going to get anywhere near the number of new subscribers to make up for the financial losses they're going to take for the money this movie would have made if it was put out in the theaters, you know, after the vaccine comes out and, and it could make 700 million, 800 million, a billion dollars in the box office. No, they're never going to be able to recoup that. But in the long term, when they see the theatrical model collapsing with universal taking advantage of movie theaters with Disney now accelerating their plans in the long term. Is it a good idea for them really to drop the hammer 
and say, we're dead serious about HBO Max and start taking some financial losses, some short-term losses for long-term gains and start putting out premium stuff on HBO Max instead. In the long term, does it make more sense? Yeah, it does. Now, I'm not saying that that automatically means it'll work out, but if that's the plan, it has a reasonable, not lock, but it has a reasonable chance of success. But it means you're going to have to, you know, sacrifice some pawns. It means you're going to have to put things like that. You've got to hit the ground running, especially with Disney Plus turning out to be, turns out your main competitor isn't going to be Netflix. It's going to be Disney Plus. Netflix is already a miles ahead of you. Disney Plus is you're in danger of having Disney Plus lap you if you're HBO Max right now. So, yeah, short term, bad idea. Long term, if their long term plan is to go completely to HBO Max and everything, then this might be the right move for them. It, it, it's again, it's going to be one of those things where we got to kind of wait and see. We're going to have to wait and see. All right. Next up, uh, Rick Ganther writes. Watching yesterday's episode now and felt compelled to stop in and say thank you. What an amazing, informative, and engaging look into the business of streaming. So you're talking about the show we did the other day about Black Widow and Disney Plus. And thank you, man. I appreciate that. I did. I put a lot of work into that episode. I, I was up a lot of hours working on that episode. So thank you for that. I want to stop in and say thank you. What an amazing, informative, and engaging look into the business of streaming. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you for checking it out. And hello to Aaron and Joey Bishop. Uh, if they are there as you read this, this was obviously sent in yesterday. So thank you for that. Yeah, again, to me, it was a fascinating dive. And we I, I put a lot of work into that particular episode. And um, thank you for all the feedback I've gotten from you guys about it. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, and it, the episode went over so well. I, I think probably moving into the future, we'll probably take some more episodes now and again to do like much, much deeper dives into single ep into single topics. You know, maybe once a month or something, we'll take an episode where we'll just do one topic and do like for a good 45 minutes of a real deep dive into that one topic. Because uh, I thought it was really beneficial that we did that the other day. Anyway, thank you for the kind words, Rick. I really appreciate it. Uh, BC is the best, writes. If you're talking about British Columbia, it is really great. Uh, I know if questions are always, a, I know if questions are always a yes, but I think this is a fun topic. If Black Widow goes to Disney Plus, which makes sense, plus uh, they wouldn't need to pay for a big marketing campaign again. Yes, they would. Make no, if you're not going to get any benefit from putting Black Widow on Disney Plus, then what's the point of putting Black Widow on Disney Plus? Make no mistake about it. If, and it's still a big if, if Disney Plus, if Disney does indeed move Black Widow to Disney Plus, they're going to spend an enormous amount of money, enormous amount of money in marketing that shit. They are already, they spend so much money marketing Disney Plus right now, it's crazy. And if they actually move Black Widow to Disney Plus, they're going to move heaven and earth to make sure the whole world knows it. And they're going to spend a lot of money marketing that you mark my words they're going to spend a lot of money in that uh they're not going to need to pay for a big marketing campaign again uh will that put pressure on wonder woman 84 to go to hbo max well obviously hbo max wonder woman 84 is going to hbo max that's already been decided it's going to go on there on december 25th as well as theaters um but who's going to go to the theater to watch it if you can just watch it at home um so yeah but again there's this whole misnomer out there that oh if they're going to put it on HBO Max or if they're going to put it on Disney Plus, they don't need to spend money on marketing it. Yes, they will. Listen, Netflix and I think Disney Plus and HBO Max and I think Peacock and everything have learned from one of the big mistakes that Netflix has made. 
See, Netflix for a long time has had the playground to themselves. They they had a years, years and years and years and years of a head start on all these other launched companies. But the one big mistake they've made, because they never felt they had to. I've said this all the time. I've never seen any kind of broadcast company, studio, what have you, that is as, as bad as at marketing their own material as Netflix is. Because I think for the long time, they just assumed, eh, we don't need to, right? Disney Plus is not going to make that mistake. HBO Max isn't going to make that mistake. I've already seen Disney Plus and HBO Max and, and Peacock, for that matter, market their original content far more heavily and far more effectively than Netflix promotes their content. Every once in a while, they'll do a good, like, for instance, the marketing campaign for Trial of the Chicago 7 was actually a pretty good campaign. There, they, they, there was a lot of awareness around that campaign. That might be Netflix realizing, oh, we can't do the things the way we did them before. And uh, yeah, you're going to see them putting a lot of money into marketing these things. Okay, next up, uh, we've got BC uh, is so fun also writes, uh, I'm looking for a positive. Do you think all the delays has helped the team over at Lucasfilm? I don't think they have lost a director or showrunner lately. So that's a plus. Plus, I love my iPad Pro. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, I my iPad Pro is my favorite computing device I have. I have my main big beefy desktop machine. I've got a really slick decked out Samsung laptop. I've got a really nice MacBook Air. I've got my Chromebook, which I adore. I've got a Samsung uh, tab tablet that I use in the bathroom and in the shower. And, uh, to, you know, to watch stuff while, while I'm taking a shower and getting ready in the mornings. But my favorite computing device is my, my, my uh, iPad Pro. I've got the 11-inch, 1-terabyte uh, Wi-Fi and cellu cellular uh, model iPad Pro, I, and it's my favorite computing device. It's absolutely my favorite computing device, and uh, it has made me very, very curious to check out these new Mac M1s, these new Mac laptop with the M1 processors that are the big brothers of the processor that's in the iPad, because this, I'm telling you, listen, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I have... An eight-core i9, 32 uh, gigs of RAM, uh, all SSDs in my thing, big beefy machine with an NVIDIA 2080 uh, video card. This thing is decked out. I rendered like this 4K with color correction and a couple of transitions video on this. Rendered out really fast, like two minutes and 12 seconds, something like that. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like somewhere around two minutes and 12 seconds or something. Then I set up that same thing on the video editing program LumaFusion on my iPad Pro. Same footage, 4K, did the color correction, added some transitions, and it beat my i9 eight-core processor desktop in rendering time not by a ton but it like did it in like one minute and 50 seconds or something like that like it beat my desktop in render speeds it was astonishing to me absolutely astonishing and if that's what happens in their tablet i can't wait to see what their new uh, laptops can do but anyway um lucasfilm also hasn't announced much stuff look we had drama with um the, uh, damn it, what's the name? Uh, Cassian Andor show. We, we've had drama around that. 
We've had drama around Obi-Wan Kenobi with delays. We love the script. Now we don't like the script and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just they've run out of things to have problems with. So I don't know. Maybe it's helped them. Maybe it hasn't. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Next up, Tiberius writes. Uh, hey, John and gang, binge watch The Shield, and I think during the second season episode yelled out, hey, that's Aaron Cummings. I don't think Aaron Cummings was in The Shield. Um, uh, what memories do you have from your Shield guest? In? I do not believe Aaron was in The Shield. Let me just look up something. Um, just going to look up something quick. So I, I could be wrong. Um... Let me just see here, but I don't think she did do the shield. Now, if she was here right now, I could easily ask her and that would uh, settle this. But going back to 2008, uh, her big her big television breakthrough was on Charmed. That was her big break to have a, a big appearance on Charmed. And then, of course, she did things like Dollhouse. Uh, then she, of course, did Dip Slap, uh, Bitch Slap. She was in Nip Tuck. She was in Spartacus. She was in Mad Men. She was in Detroit 187. Uh, she was in Pan Am. Uh, she was in Made in Jersey. She was in Criminal Minds. She was in Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, she was in uh, Halt and Catch Fire. She was in Astronauts Wife Club. She was in Maddow. She was in Blue Bloods. She was in uh, The Blacklist. She was in The Flash. She was in, in uh, NCIS. She was in All Rise. She was on Dynasty. Yeah, no, I don't think she was on The Shield. So I think it might have just been somebody who looked like her, unless I'm totally forgetting about something. All right. Uh, Dwayne Jackson writes, Hey, John and family, with Wonder Woman 84 dropping on HBO Max on Christmas Day and keeping its theatrical release date, uh, what kind of message do you think this is sending to the studios? Oh, it's that we're, we're breaking up. Yeah. This is the equivalent of a girl starting to ghost her boyfriend <laughs> and not like just subtly stopped returning is every other text. She stops returning or every other call. She stops answering all of a sudden she's busy on a lot of that is kind of the beginning stages of the girl ghosting the boyfriend leading up to the girl dumping the boyfriend or vice versa, whatever. Yeah. The, the signal to the theaters here, which it becomes a vicious cycle, right? Universal is screwing up the theatrical window for everybody. So theaters make these deals because they're desperate. Theaters make these deals, which makes Disney and Universal or Disney and like Warner Brothers and studios like that just want to accelerate their plans for transitioning over to streaming only. Movie theaters see those studios transitioning even faster to streaming only. So they get even more desperate and make worse and worse deals. It becomes this cycle. So yeah, the, uh, the message that's being sent to theaters from the studios is it's not you, it's me. It's not you. It's me. Oh, no. I take it back. It's you. Yeah, it's 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 basically the warning site. It's the initial ghosting before the breakup. All right. Dwayne Jackson also writes, hey, John and family. I was wondering, do you have any news to update the ongoing negotiations between HBO and Roku? It sounds like it's done. It sounds like an, 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 if it hasn't been made already, I believe I heard an announcement is going to be uh, made very soon. I heard there's going to be an announcement made very soon. So keep your eyes open for that. Uh, yeah, look. HBO Max already made their deal with um, Amazon and their Fire devices, which is great. And look, we always said HBO and Roku and the Amazon, they'll, they'll get a deal done. But HBO really dropped the ball by not making sure they had those Roku and Amazon 
deals because those are the two biggest streaming platforms. Roku and Amazon, Roku by a mile, Amazon by almost a mile, blows away all the other streaming platforms. To launch HBO Max not being on those devices was asinine. That was an absolutely idiotic move. And I think it really put them behind the eight ball. Now, is it a little bit too little too late? Nah, it'll be fine. So I expect to hear an announcement. If they haven't done so already, I expect to hear the announcement about Roku soon because they've already made the announcement about uh, about the Amazon one. All right, Ryan Loner writes, hopefully the people in the stand are prepared to deal with Ezra Miller. I hear he can be a real pain in the neck. <laughs> I see what you did there. A little choking joke. little choking joke. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm Listen, I, I'm curious about the stand. I haven't loved the trailers, to be honest with you. Haven't loved the trailers. But I like a lot of people in it. Obviously, very good source material. So I'm very curious about it. All right. Uh, no, the, the uh, no, the other black guy writes, I don't fully get why shorter theatrical windows would be the end of theaters. Uh, do people only uh, go to theaters because they don't want uh, to wait for streaming with uh, so many more people really prefer streaming? Why wouldn't the original model work post COVID? Well, this is the reason. And listen, it's it's cool. That, you know, one of the things you got to understand, though, is that movie theater chains have spent millions of dollars in studies on these issues and they, their conclusions are pretty clear. For movie theaters in the best of times operate on razor thin margins movie theaters in the best of times operate on razor thin margins so you can have like one of the busiest like i think it's the third busiest movie theater in north america is the amc burbank 16 which is right up the street from me and in the best of times they don't make a lot more money than it costs them to operate in the best of times. That's why whenever people say, hey, I think Paramount's going to buy a movie theater chain. That's why I've always said the movie studios have no desire to own movie theater chains. They do not have maybe a desire to odd the, own the odd theater here and there as a little vanity project, kind of like the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. It belongs to Disney. Yeah, the odd thing like that. But that is why I've always said people scratch their John, why do you say studios have no desire to own movie theaters? Because they know it's not a good business to be in. It's razor thin margins. So it's not that there's like all these people who prefer sitting on their ass every single fucking night like they did the day before and they did the day before and they did the day before and never leave the house and have no social life and develop no social skills and blah, blah. It's not like everybody's like that. But the problem is when you already have razor thin margins, if all of a sudden 30%, not even a majority, if all of a sudden just like 30%, of your clientele all of a sudden aren't there anymore. Well, that takes you from being a razor thins above the line to being razor thin below the line. And that's when you go out of business. If, if your patrons, if you take the whole body of the patrons who come to your place of business and all of a sudden, just like one out of every three, 30% or 40% just now are like, Oh, yeah, I, I could just because, you know, you're still going to get your true movie fans, your true movie fans who want that theatrical experience. 
you know, that Spielberg and Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino are always talking about the true movie fans who want that true movie experience. Yes, but the movie theater and the movie industry really relies on the casual goer. And there will be a percentage of the moviegoers who as casual goers are going to go, oh, so it's it's just going to be on TV in two weeks. Okay, I'll just I'll just I'll, I'll just wait for it to come on TV. You know what I mean? And when you operate on razor thin margins, it's not like Apple, where Apple has like bleh, a trill. Like Apple didn't Apple just become the first company worth a trillion dollars? Wasn't that just just happened like a month or two ago? Did Apple became like the first company valued at like a trillion dollars. Anyway, so whatever. Yeah, they can lose a third of their market share and they'll still be fine. But when you're in the movie theater industry, you can't do that. You can't do that. So that is why the movie theater industry for so long has fought so hard to maintain that theatrical window. And we've had a best of both worlds. Everybody's happy. The movie theaters get their movies. Moviegoers who truly love and are real movie fans and love that movie going experience get to have that. The average fans get to go to the movies and see the movies too. And guess what? In 90 days, then it's out on TV. So everybody can watch it then too. And everybody gets what they want. Everybody gets what they want. And that's why for a long time, movie theaters have fought so hard to keep that theatrical window, to keep that balance. That balance is about to be shattered. I mean, it's not a maybe now. It's, it's that whole balance is about to be shattered. And like to me, the thing I fear is while we will still get some very good movies and I'll still love movies no matter what, but we're about to get fewer quality movies. We are about to get studios who know that we don't have to put all that much money into these things and we don't have to put all that much effort into these things because we already got the subscribers. And you're going to see it have an effect. Shadow, come here. Come here, Shadow. You know, I've got Shadow in the room with me right now. Come here. Oh, come here, my girl. Come say hi. This is my one of my little ones. This is Shadow. Hello, Shadow. She doesn't know what's going on. Hi. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, good girl. Okay, and she's very affectionate. Shadow is very affectionate. This is my girl. She's hanging out. With, she doesn't normally hang out with me in the office, but Anne, she usually hangs out in Anne's office, but Anne's not here today. So, okay, you go ahead and walk around. Go do what you wanted to do. Or you can just lay at my feet. That's good, too. Sorry, guys, being interrupted on the show. Anyway, uh, so there's that. Okay, let's move on here. Next up, Ashley M. writes... I just finished Avatar The Last Airbender. Such a great show. Surprised to find that Mae Whitman voices uh, Katara. Um, but I loved Prince Zuku's character arc. One of my favorites ever. Uh, might be The Legend of Korra and try. Uh, I might give a Legend of Korra a try. Uncle Iro is the best. Uncle Iro is my favorite, favorite character from that show. And you're right. Prince Zuku's storyline was the most interesting storyline. Like Zuku's storyline was more interesting than um, Aang's storyline. <laughs> Just was. Uh, and that's when you get into Legend of Korra, when you see like a much, much older Prince Zuku, now Emperor Zuku, Fire Lord Zuku, I should say. Uh, it's really cool to see. But Uncle Iroh, or Iro, however they pronounced it, absolutely my favorite character in the show. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was not... I was not as taken with Korra as I was with uh, Last Airbender, to be honest. I, I know Korra has his fans. I wasn't a big fan of it, but eh, it is what it is. 
All right, Froygon Jin writes, when Ahsoka Tano makes her appearance on The Mandalorian, over under 25%, she cuts off somebody's hands with a lightsaber. You know what? I want to say under 25%, because that's a little bit too on-the-nose fan service. But, I mean, like in this last episode of Mandalorian, there's a lot of on-the-nose fan service. So, you know what? I wouldn't say it's likely. I won't say over 50%, but I'll take the over on 25 yeah, I'll take the over on 25. All right, Dylan writes, um, just watched Endgame again, and I still hate the Avengers Assemble line. I get that it's a staple of comic books, but it makes me roll my eyes in that moment. I mean, come on. They were already assembled. Why would he say that? Oh, listen, it's about those two words I just used, fan service. It was totally about fans. Look, there's no delusions here. That is not something Captain America would have said in that moment. It makes no sense that he said those two words, Avengers assemble. It made no sense. Not to mention the part that bothers me is he's, he's on this huge battlefield with portals and spaceships and monsters around. And he goes, Avengers assemble. And he's this little boy, assemble. And nobody can hear him. Avengers Assemble. I mean, that's always driven me nuts. Make no mistake about it. That was 1000% about fan service. Fan service is not always a dirty phrase. There's a lot of things in Endgame that are just nonsensical, that are just pure fan service, but sometimes fan service can be real, real effective. And in the case of Avengers Endgame and like something like Cap saying Avengers Assemble, you just can't go through all these MCU movies and not have Captain America say Avengers Assemble at some point. Listen, I completely concede the point. It made no sense. If that's not something that he said all the time in comics, that made no sense in that scene. It was pure fan service. But come on, were you in the movie theater when he said Avengers Assemble? Were you in the movie theaters when he said that? What was the reaction? Huge right? Huge pop. Fan service has its place. Fan service can be a good thing when used right. It's like everything else in movies. When used right, it can be a very, very good thing. All right. But I get where you're coming from, Dylan. I do. I totally get where you're coming from. All right. Min Tran writes, well, tonight, uh, tonight is at the final. This was, I was from yesterday. The final episode of Supernatural. I'm going to miss this series. I'm going to miss seeing Sam, Dean, Castiel. John, what's your thoughts on this season so far? Not the best season, to be honest with you, but especially in the last couple ones, they've rounded the corner. I still hated the fact that they made Chuck the villain of the final season like that. That thing they did at the season finale of season 14 was the first episode of Supernatural I've ever utterly hated it like that. It was clearly a move of, oh, my gosh, 15 is going to be our last season. We just decided that. Oh, what do we do? What do we do? Uh, let's make Chuck the bad guy. It just, it, it was so inconsistent. It made no sense at all. And I haven't really liked that. Still, that aside, it's still been a fun ride. The, the season 15 has been a fun ride. And I haven't watched the finale yet, but I will watch it later today. All right, next up, Mintran writes, for the sake of reminiscing, who are some of your favorite antagonists that the Supernatural boys fought? fought? Well, I mean, look, when I think about Supernatural, overall, my favorite character is like one of my five favorite t characters in television. It's Mark. Oh, and I forget Mark. If you guys remember the, Mark's last name, the actor who plays Crowley, 
And he's also in Doom Patrol now, too. But it's Mark something or other. And I cannot remember off the top of my head uh, what his last name is. If you guys in the live chat remember it, go ahead and throw it in there. But Crowley, you know, the way he went from being like this, this, the king of hell and like kind of Mark Shepard. Thank you, Real Productions. Mark Shepard um, being like one of their most formidable adversaries to becoming in a very, very, very weird way um, to becoming like their most unlikely ally. I just love the Crowley character, both as their foil and as their ally. I've loved him in both roles. And that's really, I, I just love the Crowley character. Mark Shepard's great. He was great in Balsar Galactica. He was great. And I just, I really like Mark Shepard. All right, next up. Min Tran writes, what are some of your favorite supernatural moments? For me, some of my favorite moments are when Dean lip syncs the eye of the tiger and when Dean keeps telling everybody they killed Hitler. That was fun. I mean, the whole Scooby-Doo thing um, is fantastic. Um, there were certain scenes during that stretch where uh, Sammy had no soul. That was always good. I, I just cherished all the stuff between them and Bobby. Like I've missed the last couple of years hearing him call them idiots. I mean, I've just kind of missed that. Um, that one season finale, the ultimate showdown between, you know, uh, Michael and Lucifer, that was big. I mean, so, I mean, there's just too many to kind of pull off the top of my head right now, but those are some, all right. Russell Amador writes, Hey John, uh, with the news of wonder woman 84 going straight to HBO max, do you think this may be the first domino to fall where Disney will follow suit with black widow is financial gain with the box office revenue, no longer the deciding factor in this new climate. Well, again, Russell, I would encourage you to go back to two days ago. I think it was Wednesday show that I did this full breakdown and I think they are going to be moving black widow there. And I don't think it has anything to do with HBO max moving wonder woman. I think if anything, I think them moving Wonder Woman to that is Warner Brothers reacting to probably knowing that Disney's about to move Black Widow. I honestly think it's a reaction to Disney and Disney Plus, especially with Disney Plus kicking their asses right now. I mean, there's just, there's just no getting around it. Disney Plus is kicking HBO's ass. I personally think as of right now, as of this moment, I think HBO Max is the better service. Uh, whether I'll still think that after all the MCU content starts coming out, this is a different story. Right now, if I could only have today just one service between uh, Disney Plus or HBO Max, I pick HBO Max. But Disney Plus is whipping their ass, like whipping them. And so I honestly think with the huge numbers and growth and everything that Disney Plus has had, I honestly think the Wonder Woman move is more of a, a, a them reacting to Disney Plus. And that's not a bad thing. It might be very well be the smart thing. So we'll have to see. Uh, Butters, your grounded rights. Uh, a little bit of a South Park reference there. Christmas is saved, but cinemas might be killed. Yeah. I mean, again, with Wonder Woman coming out. And by, by the way, is it saved? Now, look, I'm really looking forward to Wonder Woman 84. If it's Patty Jenkins directing... I'm on board. She's amazing. And I really like the first Wonder Woman movie a lot. But I've also been the first to say, I have not been overly impressed with the Wonder Woman trailers. So is Christmas saved? Or is this just not a very good movie? And that's why they're dumping it on HBO Max. I don't think that's the case, just to be clear. But we'll see if it's saved. But yeah, no, theaters are done. Like record players, they'll always still be around, but like 
the movie theater going experience, the movie the the theatrical model as we have known it our all of our entire lives, that's done. We are now transitioning to something else. Theaters will still be there. There'll be something of a theatrical industry out there, just like there are record players out there. But the model that we've known is over. And uh, it's going to be see what kind of rises out of the ashes of that. All right, next up, an anonymous viewer writes, Hey, John, um, a few months ago, I asked if movie theaters should agree temporarily to deal, uh, should, should agree temporarily deal to show movies at theaters and POV, PVOD at the same time. So they have something to show. You said they will never agree to this, but now they accepted a much worse deal direct to streaming. Yeah. Like I said, like I've been saying for months as the pandemic continued on, right? I've been saying this since, I don't know, since May. As the pandemic stretches on longer and longer, the unlikely becomes possible. The impossible becomes possible. And that's why as this pandemic has stretched on far longer than I ever anticipated it would. Like remember, I thought by June, I back in February, March, I thought by June, this mess would be behind us. I don't know. I had some kind of belief in people to not be stupid and do the smart things to properly contain it. Ah, I overestimated people. Anyway, I thought this whole thing would be in our rearview mirror by June. I was dead wrong. And so June comes and now you had to reevaluate, you know, and then Artemis Fowl made that move to streaming. And then some of the smaller other films started making. But once that started happening, then you had to understand that the next domino could fall and then the next one would fall. Look, even though we are now almost, you know, we're, we're, we're close, we're getting close to a year that this pandemic's been, we're a few months away from this being a year long thing, right? Even today, it is an absolutely idiotic thing for the theaters to agree to. Even all things considered right now, it was even more vital for theaters, if they wanted to hang around for longer, for AMC, it was idiotic, absolutely idiotic for AMC to make that deal with Universal. It was idiotic, although they had mounting pressure on them, so they kind of had no choice. But that doesn't change the fact that it was idiotic for, Cine for Cinemark to make that deal and now Cineplex. It, they're writing, they're basically signing their own death warrants. This is the theaters raising the white flags. This, again, is its predatory practices by Universal taking advantage. And, hey, business is business. Business is business. So I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on Universal too awful much. It is predatory practices, but business is business. On these theaters who are in desperate straits. Uh, but, yeah, by, by doing it, you know, you hear you can't have a cure that's worse than the disease. This thing the theaters are doing is worse it's going to ultimately, it ensures their end. And so uh, it's still dumb. It's still dumb. Uh, anyway, next up, James L. H. writes, Hey, John, uh, one of two. About the decision by Warner Brothers, I understand it's business. Maybe they feel backed into a corner. Maybe they heard the Black Widow rumors and have reacted or Disney uh, or Disney are reacting to Warner Brothers. Maybe both decisions are independent of each other. I don't know. Uh, I am disappointed. First, here in the UK and the European Union, we are back in lockdown. No cinemas, no HBO in the UK or in Europe, and won't be for at least four years with their Sky production deal. I fear even more that the theatrical experience in window for illegal downloading will skyrocket. Oh, you're, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. 
It is a, it's a cascading effect, right? It's a, it's a complete cascading effect we're seeing. All this stuff is happening and this utter cascading effect. And it's like one bad thing leads to another bad thing, leads to another bad thing, leads to another bad thing. And it's hard for them right now to get, they, there's just no getting out of the cycle now. But again, the unfortunate part about this, James LH, as we go through a transition is that there are going to be growing pains. And that means at least temporarily, there are going to be some markets that get left behind a little bit, just like when Disney Plus first launched. There's going to be some movies will drop and certain people won't be able to see it. And that sucks. But it is a part of the growing pains of the transition. So hopefully they find some solutions to our international friends over in the UK. Uh, hopefully they find some sort of solution. You know what you will be able to watch in the UK though? You'll be able to watch movie trailers, a love story in the UK. You'll be able to watch it on Amazon video or on Vimeo on demand. And if your country doesn't, isn't on, if it isn't on Amazon in your country, it'll be there on video on demand. Everybody's going to be able to have it because I'm better than HBO. That was a big leap. I don't know how I got to that conclusion. Uh, but yes, anyway, uh, there you have it. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Again, the growing pains suck. And I believe me, I feel for you. That sucks. But hopefully they'll come up with some solution. Okay, uh, let's see here. Patrick Conway writes, what is the worst final episode of a show? For me, it's how I met your mother. I get so angry even thinking about how that show ended. Uh, worst series finale for me, it, it honestly might be to one of the greatest TV shows of all time, Seinfeld. The Seinfeld series finale was atrocious, like just a train wreck. And I get it. Listen, sticking the landing is hard. Even the best of shows, like sometimes just have eh finales, like even Parks and Rec, their finale was okay. It wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't memorable. I've never gone bad. Let's put it this way. I've seen just about every episode of Parks and Rec seven, eight, nine times. I kid you not. I don't know that I've ever gone back to watch like the final two episodes of it. <laughs> Sticking the landing is hard. And even like even a great classic show like Cheers, it had a great final ending. Well, no, that wasn't even the series finale. Like when Shelley Long as Diane left the show, because the show was about, you know, Ted Danson and Shelley Long, right? And when Diane left the show, as she steps out and she says she'll be back like in a year and she walks through the, 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 the bar door and leaves and the camera cuts back to Sam played by Ted Danson. And he just looks at the door that's closed behind her and he says, have a good life. Cause he knows she's not coming back. And sure enough, she, she doesn't come back, but that wasn't the series finale. Maybe it should have been. Um, but I mean, it's, it's tough to stick the landing, but yeah, I think the worst one is probably Seinfeld. Uh, best one to me was, I've said this before, Star Trek The Next Generation. Best series finale I've ever seen. The All Good Things episodes. Best series finale I've ever seen. Uh, let's see here. Uh, that was Patrick. All right. Porg-based <laughs> porg diet. I love it. Writes, Disney Plus just added Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars holiday special. It takes place after Rise of Skywalker and answers some pretty big questions. Uh, the movie didn't. Since Disney produces, can we consider this canon now? No, it is absolutely. I can tell you that with absolute certainty. The Star Wars Lego holiday special is not in any way, shape or form canon. Right. It's not canon. 
Simply not. So uh, don't even worry about that. All right, next up. Uh, Randy writes, uh, now that Wonder Woman is coming to HBO Max uh, next month, my only question is, do you think HBO Max will finally add 4K and HDR to their streaming service? The fact that we can't uh, watch Game of Thrones, Watchmen, etc. in 4K and HDR is BS. Eh. Eh, honestly, I don't care. Like to me, like for and by the way, um, HDR high dynamic range to me is more important than 4K. But um, you know what? When I watch stuff in 4K, it looks great. When I watch stuff streaming properly in 1080, looks just as good. You know, to a lot of people still think a lot of people still don't understand that depending on the size of your TV. And depending on the distance you sit from that TV, there's a whole mathematical formula about it. The human eye cannot ascertain the difference between properly done 1080 and 4K. Um, and I would encourage you guys look up some YouTube videos on this. It's actually really fascinating stuff. I really don't care. I really don't care. I mean, it's yeah, if I can get it in 4K and, and, and HDR, great. I'll take that. But if not, my when I watch stuff streaming on in HD and it's streamed right, wow, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But yeah, you know, so I'm not really listen. That is everything will eventually have 4K. Streaming speeds are getting faster. Like right now, we have streaming speeds today that like six or seven years ago would have been ridiculous. Like I literally have 800 megabytes download. 800 megabytes download. If you had told me that like five, six years ago, I would have thought, you know, there was this, there was this promise of gigabit ethernet, but not many people had access to it. But I just, now I just have it in my residential place. Boom. 800 megabyte down. It's crazy. And it's only getting better and it's only getting faster. So all that stuff will come. And the fact that it's not here right now, I'll be honest with you. It's not a big deal to me, Randy, but it's coming. It is coming. Don't you worry about it. All right. Wyatt Bender writes. Hey, John, apparently there was photos leaked by Robert Rodriguez on Twitter uh, on his new movie. We can be heroes confirming that shark boy and lava girl will be back, except Taylor Lautner is not back as shark boy. Shark boy almost looks like Batman. Yeah, I saw the pictures. This really falls under the category of I don't care. I uh, listen. I know this might make me unpopular and everything. I've never given a crap about shark boy and lava girl. I've never given a crap about them. <laughs> I still don't today. Mm. that is not to suggest in the least that you shouldn't. I mean, Hey, if th that stuff's great to you. Fantastic. That's great. I certainly have things that nobody else gives a crap about. I have things that I enjoy that nobody else cares about. So, I mean, Hey, yeah, no problem. If you like it, great. I'm not trying to yuck on your yum or anything like that, but I did see the pictures, but I just, I just so don't care about it. I just so don't care about it. Maybe I should. I don't know, but I don't. And I just got to be honest about that. All right. Next up, uh, Edward Wells writes, you survive. You stay. Ah, this is last of the Mohicans. You survive. You stay alive. No matter what occurs, I will find you. No matter how long it takes, no matter how far, I will find you. And one day there will be no more frontier and men like you will go to like the Mohicans. But once... We were here. Uh, saw Last of the Mohicans for the very first time. Now my viewing list of films to watch at least once a year. It's a breathtaking film. It's listen, Daniel. It's that wasn't Daniel Day Lewis's first movie, but it was the movie. I think Last of the Mohicans, or some people might say it was My Left Foot, but Last of the Mohicans, at least for me, was the movie that went. That is what a truly ridiculously good actor looks like. 
And it's just one of the films that kind of builds the resume, Edward, of the dude who we now, at least around these parts, we call him here, the GOAT. Daniel Day-Lewis, to me, it's not even close. He is the greatest actor of all time. Like, to me, it's, there's, there's not even a discussion to be had, to, to be honest with you. There's a lot of great Olympian pantheon of the gods actors out there. But it, it's just they all, nobody compares to Daniel Day-Lewis and what his pure acting power is. It's absolutely crazy. And that is one of the films. If not, that is the film for me that really put him on my radar and go, holy crap, this guy's awesome. And then you see all the other stuff with him. Yeah, he's he's just the greatest. I'm glad you had a chance to watch it, Edward. I'm glad you enjoyed it like I do, my friend. All right. Chesterfield Toboggan writes, Law, mixed martial arts, religious studies, animator, AMC, author, dancer, singer, and the list goes on. You've pursued so many diverse interests. Can you share your timeline, please? I listen every day. Thank you for what you do. Uh, well, thanks for that, Chesterfield Toboggan. <sighs> I mean, listen, I've always had a philosophy in life. If there's something that I'm interested in, go do it. Go try it. Enjoy it. Relish in it. Like, I don't want to say, like, I've thought about a long time. Like, everybody thinks about writing a book. So I just, I wrote a book. Am I winning any Pulitzer Prizes? No, but I wrote a book. And I love my book. I'm very proud of my book. The Pride, by the way, if you want to go check it out on Amazon. Um, you know, I was... I was there a long time I thought I was going to be a musician when I was younger. Uh, and I still remember like I turned 18 or 19 and I realized I, cause I was working so hard at music and I was playing in bands, stuff like that. I had to make a decision around 17, 18, something like that, where I got to really decide if I really, if I'm really going to go for it as a musician. And I had a very, very, very honest conversation with myself. Um, and that I just simply wasn't good enough. Like that was a hard conversation to have with me. I, I seriously had my own conversation with myself and I, I just came to the realization and realized I'm, I mean, I could get lucky, but I'm honestly not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, hey, I'm, a, I'm an okay musician. Like I love playing piano and guitar and whatever. And I, I liked writing music and, but you know, I simply wasn't good enough. I was never going to make it because I just wasn't good enough. And so, you know, I moved, I pivoted away from that. And yeah, you know, I went to school for law. Uh, I, you know, was doing a blog for fun. And I, I mean, obviously I was a break dancer when I was a kid, uh, did law and uh, did a blog for fun while I was doing law. But then I started getting some big success in the blog. I made the transition after some friends encouraged me to go try doing the blogging thing full time. That evolved into YouTube. That evolved into my, my website. Uh, the movie blog that evolved into AMC that evolved into complex. And here, here I am today. So yeah. And along the way, I've made my own little movies just because everybody talks about making their own movie. I wanted to do it. So I made my own movies. I've written a book. I've yeah. Just, Hey man, just look, if you got things that you think might give you joy, go do them. Everybody's so freaking lazy. And I include myself in that. Like we are as a species, we are a pretty damn lazy bunch. And it, I, even me, I got to work hard to motivate myself to like, hey, you know what? There's something you want to do. Instead of just sitting on my ass watching TV and thinking about doing that thing, go up and go do it, right? Because we as, we are, as, as a species, pretty damn lazy. But um, yeah, that's just kind of my philosophy in life. It's something I, like, yeah, I saw one wheel. It's like, I think that looks like fun. 
So I tried one wheel, <laughs> you know, whatever. I put up a video of that the other day for those of you who follow me on social media. Um, yeah. So then that's just kind of a life philosophy. That's all. Thanks for asking, man. All right. K Major writes, checkmate Warner Brothers. I, I have to get HBO Max now, but know this. It's going to hurt you way more than it hurts me. Yeah. I mean, for some people, the Wonder Woman thing is going to be that thing that nudges them over the edge to get it right for me. HBO just has ridiculous library and ridiculous great content. Oh, such a fabulous library and such fabulous content. Uh, that is enough for me to have HBO Max. But for some people who are just close to, or they're just on the fence about getting it, Wonder Woman 84 coming out, that's going to nudge some people over. Will it be a massive number of people? I don't know how big that number is going to be, but it's definitely going to be there for, for a good chunk of people for sure. All right. And, but then how many are going to then un, like unsubscribe as soon as they watch Wonder Woman 84? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right. K Major writes, uh, simple question. Do you miss the stylized lightsaber combat? It was one thing I did miss just a little. I wasn't looking for backflips or whatnot, but basic parries. The wild swinging of the blade turned me off. Even uh, Vader versus Obi-Wan was sufficient for me. Um, I don't know. Like, look, to me, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, when I was a kid, the lightsaber fight between Vader and Obi-Wan was great. But as I you know, became a little bit of an older kid and then got older and I saw lots of action and movies and I started getting into the old Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. And you realize, yeah, that, that eh, eh, is a little bit lame that we got in that video, but that was the era. That was what they had, you know, George Lucas said, and I am not a fan of the prequels, but George Lucas, I remember going into the prequel said something really interesting. He said, you know, Really, the last time we saw a Jedi fight, it was a guy who has basically lost his whole body and is now more machine than man and is a lot older now. And an old man hermit who's been living in the desert for however many decades, right? He said, we're now going to see like Jedi in their prime when they were warriors. And so I got to say, listen, even though I don't like the prequels, I love the Yoda fights. You know, I'll tell you, even though I don't like the prequels, I love the Yoda fights. He's bouncing all over the place. And it's like, ah! that's why everybody's afraid of Master Yoda. He'll kick your ass. Having a two foot one guy going, eh, I step on him there. Done. Yoda's a little green goo on the bottom of my shoe. But that Yoda, yeah, you don't mess with that Yoda. So I, I'll be honest with you. I kind of like, and, and considering how many Jedi there were. You got to assume they're all going to have their own unique fighting styles, right? So some of them do a lot of flips. Some of them don't. I, some of them are like, I don't know. I, I just, I really like, I, I'll be honest with you. I like the lightsaber fights. I do. Even the ones in the prequels, but I see where you're coming from. K major. I see where you're coming from. All right. Next up. Aaron Mion writes, do you reckon Wonder Woman will become the most pirated movie of all time? Since it's going to HBO. I do not because it's going to HBO, but because it's going to HBO and a lot of the world isn't going to be able to watch it. Like if HBO was global or if there wasn't a pandemic and it was going on HBO in a few markets like America, but it was able to go into theaters where everybody could go to theaters, 
it would still get some piracy, but it wouldn't be the most pirated thing of all time. The fact that it's going on HBO Max when HBO is not in a lot of territories and in the territories where it's going to go to theaters, most people can't go to those theaters to see them. It's going to make Wonder Woman, if not the most pirated movie of all time, it'll it'll be very, very significant numbers. It'll be significant numbers. So, yeah, it's it's I don't know any way around that, though. All right. Jordan McIntyre writes. Uh, thanks for keeping me entertained during a six day lockdown. My state of South, uh, my state of South Australia went seven months without a single COVID case, but have just had an outbreak of 20 cases. Uh, only can leave the house to go to supermarket. Zero cases today. I think we got it early. I mean, that's the thing. You know, when you have, we have, when you have people around the world in certain countries who take the damn thing seriously, and then do what needs to be done to get it under control, you have a bad day of 20 cases. Yesterday in the country I live in, there was 153,000 new cases. What? What? That's just astounding to me. That's just astounding to me. 1,500 people died yesterday of the from the pandemic. 1,500 people in the United States died yesterday as a result of the pandemic. And there, and then we look at other countries and say, oh, you had 150 new cases today. That's like a, a thousand times less. But it just, it really highlights how badly my people, where I live, have dealt with this. It's just it's just an example of that. So anyway, happy to be there with you. And uh, and thanks for making this show a part of your day, Jordan. I appreciate it, man. All right, Lee writes, Hey, John and Aaron. Greetings from Dublin. Uh, Aaron's not here, obviously. Uh, I have been a fan of yours since you left your last job at Collider. I listened to the show on my commute home from drama school regarding the backlash on the Wild Mountain Time trailer. Oh, that's the one where the bad Irish accents, right? Um, as someone who is Irish, those accents are terrible. If you want to see really good Irish accents, check out Normal People on Hulu. Just saying that because I was an extra on the show. Oh, that's amazing. Extra on the show. Regarding Wonder Woman 84, we don't have HBO Max. Our cinemas, our cinemas are closed in September too. They, they opened in June, but we are in another lockdown. I got the PS5. I'm so happy to play it finally. That's a lot of stuff in there to unpack. Well, to me, my Irish accents for me is always U2. U2 is my all-time favorite band. So when I think of Irish accents, I think, how does the edge sound when he says something? Um, <clears throat> how, does, how does Lawrence, how does Larry Mullen Jr., Adam or Bono sound when they that's that's kind of my it's probably a bad example, but it's my template model for that. Um, as far as uh, the movie theaters being closed, I mean, uh, that that sucks. That's awesome. That's awful. And again, the whole Wonder Woman thing, it's it's the growing pains. It's going to be challenging. There's some markets not going to be able to watch it, even though they desperately want to watch it. Hang in there and hopefully they come up with some answers for that anonymous really soon and enjoy the PS5, my friend. I am also planning on getting a PS5. I'm going to get one. I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm going to wait a little bit. But uh, Ann and I will grab one. Mm. Although if I can ever pry that Nintendo Switch out of Ann's hands, she, she, I'm telling you, she, at least an hour a day, she still plays Animal Crossing. At least an hour a day. Minimum. She's still playing on it. That is a damn addictive game. That is a damn addictive game. Anyway, but yes, I'll be getting a PS5 too at some point. All right, Loverboy writes, 
All I want for Christmas is to see Wonder Woman 84. Luckily, I have I have HBO and theaters are open around me uh, and the NBA to come back. Now both are happening. Are you excited for the season and what team are you most excited for? In my opinion, the Brooklyn Nets will see KD's been out for a year. KD, Kyrie and maybe Harden. Yeah, Harden. I I don't know that they'll deal him to Harden. Uh, they'll deal him uh, James Harden to uh, the Nets. I'll be honest with you. I think it is a mistake to start the NBA season early. They are no longer in a bubble. The NBA did a great job with their last season by keeping everything in the bubble. Like once they restarted, no COVID anymore. They were able to lock it down. It was difficult on the players, but they were able to have their season, have a very entertaining playoffs ended with LeBron James getting another title. It was great. And they did it totally safe. Now the pandemic is three times as bad as it was. And they're not going to be in a bubble anymore. I don't know about this. I, I, I'm very, very nervous about it. So we'll have to see. You know, what really sucks is if you're a Golden State Warriors fan. They were going to have the Splash Brothers back together again. Um, and all of a sudden now, dude goes down with an Achilles tear. And now Steph Curry is by himself again. And, that's, and he's going to be out the whole year. He's going to be out the whole year. And uh, I, I, it's got, I feel bad for, I'm not a Golden State fan, but I feel so bad for Golden State Warrior fans. All right, Sam writes, uh, one of two. I know you don't care much about the Scream franchise. I don't, uh, aside from the first, but I find them to be the only slasher franchise where as a collective unit, they've, they're, uh, they're competent compared to the endless mi uh, milk sequels with Jigsaw, Freddy, Jason, and Michael Myers before the 2018 reboot sequel. I always felt Scream 1 through 4 all had the intention of aiming for quality. So with that being said, pretty stoked for Scream 5 or just Scream as they're calling it. Never thought I'd see another entry. I, I gotta admit, I it's a struggle for me to muster up any enthusiasm for that franchise. Again, the first Scream for me was was really fun because there was very meta, right? That first Scream film was very meta. And I dug it. I, I did. I didn't like any of the subsequent films, though. And this returning to it now, now, the only thing that gives me a little bit of interest in it is that Halloween example. Because I didn't like, I don't even like the original Halloween. <gasps> yeah, it's true. I don't even like the original Halloween. I haven't liked any Halloween films until that latest one came out with Jamie Lee Curtis. That was really good. I, I was so shocked how much I liked that movie. But because they were able to do that, maybe this new Scream 5, or they're just calling it Scream, maybe they can do it. That's the one thing that's giving me a little bit of interest in it, Sam. That's the one thing that, that keeps my attention on a little bit. So we'll see how that kind of unfolds. All right, next up, we got uh, Casey McNatt writes, Hey, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today. Thank you for asking. Just wanted to pass on some news I learned. Rob might like uh, this. The creators of the Hitman games are in development of a James Bond game titled Project 007. The talk is it will explore 007's origin. What are your thoughts? Oh, that sounds like fun. I, I The only Hitman game I ever played was the mobile Hitman Go game. I like that game. That game was kind of fun. Um and I've got actually the producer of the Hitman movies is actually in my documentary. Uh, 
Have I mentioned my documentary today? I don't think I have. Movie trailers, a love story on Amazon and Vimeo on demand worldwide. This coming Thursday, by the way. Anyway, the producer of the, oh God, oh God, guys, I'm going to milk this. Holy shit. I'm going to milk this. I'm going to milk this so hard. Your little cow teats are going to be sore. I'm going to milk this so hard. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, the producer of the, it's funny you mentioned Hitman. The producer of the Hitman games is in my, or the Hitman movies, I should say, is in my movie. That aside. Sounds great. I love it. I mean, anything can get back to like, if you can recapture some GoldenEye magic, go for it. I think it sounds great. I don't know if they'll consider it canon or not, but it'll still be interesting to really see. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dwayne Jackson writes, Thanks for that, Casey, by the way. And I am looking forward to it. Maybe it'll be on the PS5 on when I get, Casey. All right. Dwayne Jackson writes, with the first major domino to fall with the w with a Wonder Woman 84 and HBO Max, uh, will will be the new model going forward, a subscription-based model. Black Widow uh, may be going to Disney+. Plus. Will Wonder Woman 84 be the ultimate test for HBO to build subscribers? Is this new model big movies? Here's the thing. Wonder Woman is not going to be the catalyst that changes the game, all right? And I think Disney knows moving Black Widow onto Disney Plus is not going to be the thing that changes the game. The transition, a major tectonic shift in paradigms from one we've had for a hundred years into this new one is not going to change like that. And the only reason it's happening as quickly as it is, is because we had an unprecedented global pandemic. But even with an unprecedented global pandemic, we're not going to see things. It's not like Wonder Woman was the thing or Black Widow was the thing. No, no. It's going to be a hundred pieces. It's going to be a definite beginning of the process, but it's going to be a puzzle picture that comes together of a hundred pieces. So no, Wonder Woman is not going to be the fire that lit the flame that set the world ablaze. No, it's not going to do that. Now, now there will Black Widow. If Black Widow ends up going straight to Disney Plus. But it's going to be a part of that puzzle. And just like people who I don't make puzzles, but my wife does this, like people start with the corners. That's what things like Wonder Woman. And look, even for Disney Plus, you can say it started with Artemis Fowl. That was really the first major film. Turns out the movie was bad, but still, it was the first major film that made that move. That was kind of your first corner piece. And you're still kind of building the corner right now of this puzzle. And these would just be the next pieces. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Dwayne. All right. Next up, Alfredo Parra writes, hey, John, my wife and I just finished watching the entire Breaking Bad series for the first time, and we really enjoyed it. Any thoughts on its spinoffs? Better call Saul and El Camino. Gracias. You know, what? I didn't like El Camino all that much. I was late to the game. Like El Camino was out for a while before I finally watched it. And I heard a bunch of people say they were kind of iffy on it. And I'll be I'll be straight up. I didn't even enjoy it. And I really like Breaking Bad and I didn't love El Camino. Better Call Saul. I watched like the first two or three seasons and I really enjoyed them. I don't know why I didn't finish the show. At some point, I'm going to have to go back and finish the show. But I got through the first couple of seasons. I really enjoyed it. Not quite as much as I like Breaking Bad, but I really did enjoy it. And especially when you see Giancarlo Esposito show back up again and you had Mike in there. And it just, 
it was a it was just so much better than it had any business being. But I got to finish that show at some point. Anyway, I'm glad you had a chance to get down there and uh, watch Breaking Bad, man. I hope you guys enjoyed the other shows as well. All right, listen up. Next up, Luis R writes. As long as my local theater is still open, I'll see Wonder Woman 84 there first. But I'm happy that people who either don't have theaters open or don't feel safe going to theaters will also have a chance to see it. And yeah, you're right. Listen, there are going to be, and obviously around where I live, I'm not going to have that option. But there are going to be people who, and maybe even a good amount of people, who even though we are in the midst of a pandemic, and even though it's going to be available on the same day for them to watch it on TV, you are going to see people going to the movie theaters in huge numbers. Probably not. Again, we got a global pandemic that's in the midst of the worst spikes of its entire run so far. And, you know, the whole watch at home thing. But there are still going to be people that go. And listen, I'll tell you what, I, I, if my Burbank 16 was open, I would be tempted. I probably would go down and watch Wonder Woman 84 at the theaters, to be honest with you, even though I am very hesitant to go into theaters right now, just with the spikes being as they are. But there are going to be other people like that. And I hope you just stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourself, and make sure you're taking care of the people around you too. Follow the rules, social distance, wear your mask, hand sanitizer, do all the things you got to do. But uh, I hope you enjoy it, Luis. I'm a little bit jealous. Not going to lie, my friend. I'm a little bit jealous. All right. Ramiro uh, Duarte writes, do you have your socks and hat ready for tonight? This was obviously last night for tonight's episode of Mandalorian. Of course, Anne made a joke on uh, this was funny on last week's Mandalorian spoiler discussion that Anne and I did. She made a joke that not many people know that when John watches Mandalorian, all he wears is his hat and his socks. And then somebody made an image of uh, 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 like a picture of a pair of socks a picture of my hat and like a bottle of diet Pepsi he says John's Mandalorian kit or something like that. Anyway, uh, I can tell you I was, there were pants. There were pants when I watched Mandalorian last night, there were absolutely pants. All right. An anonymous viewer writes, uh, Aaron, who's not here, uh, your favorite show. What's your favorite show? New Orleans movie. What's your favorite new Orleans movie or show? Uh, she's not here, unfortunately, and I don't know that I have the only I, I just know there's a CSI New Orleans show, I think, but that's the only one I know of. I, I can't think of another. Oh, well, I guess you know what show I liked that took place in New Orleans? Um, the Originals, which is funny because so The Originals was a spinoff of Vampire Diaries, a show I did not watch. But for whatever reason, I tried out The Originals when it first aired. And I, I got hooked on it. I, I like the original. It's not my, one of my favorite shows of all time or anything, but I got hooked on originals. I thought it was a good show. I, I liked their whole mythology and the way they built it. I thought the characters were really cool. Um, Elijah, uh, one of the the, the original vampires, um, I thought he was like one of the coolest characters. Like I just, yeah, I, I really like the show. And that show took place in New Orleans. So I'm going to say that one. All right. Uh, Macy Poland, Chaos Walking writes, there was a novel, James Tripty Jr., Houston, Houston. Do you read? I've never heard. I, I do read the odd novel, but I am not familiar with that one. About three male astronauts lost calm with Earth. And after some time, female voice pick from Houston. Uh, they realized something bad happened. And now only women live on Earth for Aaron. Well, there you go. This, that sounds a little bit like why the last man, right? That, see, that's I remember when um, the first 
when they first announced they were making years ago, when they first announced they were making this movie Chaos Walking and the first little bits of the synopsis started coming out, I remember a lot of us were thinking, wow, that sounds a lot like Why the Last Man. And it did. It, it did sound a lot like Why the Last Man. And now and that little book you just read, first of all, I think that whole premise you just kind of mentioned sounds amazing. That premise sounds pretty good, but a little, also a little bit like Planet of the Apes, right? Astronauts go into space, find out something horrible happened on Earth. Actually, there's that new George Clooney movie coming on Netflix. It's kind of the same thing. Some astronauts go off into space to try to find something to help humanity, but the world has gone to crap and they can't come back to Earth now or they'll die. And George Clooney's trying to what? So we're seeing that kind of repeat a little bit. Maybe it's based a little bit on Houston, Houston. I don't know. But thanks for throwing that in there, Macy. All right. Kevin uh, Lewis writes, hey, JC. I liked Umbrella Academy and loved both seasons of The Boys. I had Doom Patrol on hold, but was able to start watching recently. Hate to say it, but after episode five, I'm tapping out uh, as I need more verisimilitude in my comic book movies. See, that's that is the thing about that. When I talk about three amazing shows right now, Doom Patrol, The Boys and Umbrella Academy, some of the best superhero content out there at all, period. One of the things that I often talk about that I love about all three of them is all three shows are completely different from each other. Like all three shows are wildly different from each other. And maybe the wildest is Doom Patrol. It is, it is wild. And listen, it be it because it is so wild, that means it has the potential to blow your mind or to kind of leave you uh, feeling disenfranchised from it, right? So I get it. I get it. It is absolutely a kind of show that will have that that varying effect on different people depending on what your tastes are. So I, it, it is it is the least safe of the three shows. I'll give it. It is the least safe of the three shows. So I'm not surprised that that there are people who don't like it. Not all. I, I expect that there will be. It is so wild. It has to have people that don't like it. And it didn't work for you. And that's okay. Uh, but I'm glad you're enjoying Umbrella Academy and the boys nonetheless, man. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Okay, next up. Uh, Dylan Fontaine writes, Do you think HBO Max would attract more subscribers if it used the Warner Brothers brand instead of HBO? No. Uh, also, why isn't Peacock using the Universal brand and CBS using the Paramount brand? Uh, people know and love these brands. I don't get it. Well, no, HBO, seriously, HBO as a brand, as a trusted television name brand, has been around for many years, right? Um, I think for a lot of people, it is, when it comes to television, more recognizable than WB is. So I think that's one thing. CBS All Access, I, didn't they already announce that they're going to be changing the name to like Paramount Plus or something? I, unless I missed something, I think that's still happening. Is that not still happening? I think they're still changing the name of CBS All Access uh, to, um, to Paramount Plus. So I believe that is happening, although maybe I missed an announcement where they changed their mind, but I think that's happening, and that's a good move. You know my opinion of the name Peacock. And you know, here's the okay, Peacock is the most butt stupid name. I, I, you, I, how did somebody come? I, but John, you don't understand. The uh, symbol of NBC has always been a Peacock. I understand that. That doesn't mean it's a good name. It is a butt fuck stupid name. It's a stupid name. Which I, I, I get. The, the 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 symbolism around it 
But it's, it's just a dumb name. And it's really unfortunate because, you know what? I've downloaded Peacock, and my wife and I have been trying out. Pe- Peacock's a good service. It's a good service. It's not Disney Plus or anything yet, but it's a good service. It's a really good service, and it really should have a better name. So I don't think everything needs to be – I don't think everything needs to have, like, the studio um, the studio name. Like, it doesn't have to be called, like – universal plus or anything like that but anything would have been better than peacock so i hope they change it i do but whatever it's just the name it's just the name the service is actually pretty good i gotta give them their credit it's actually pretty good um all right next up we got julian who writes hey john who is the overall decision maker at Warner Brothers? A lot of firing and hiring, no international app for DC Universe uh, or now HBO Max. And what must change that they can not only follow Disney uh, doing things their own way? Thanks and greetings from Germany. Well, you, the, like, first of all, what everybody seems to forget is that it's the same reason why Disney Plus didn't launch in many territories at all like let's not forget that let's not bag on hbo max for not launching everywhere and forget that disney plus is still not everywhere but it only launched in certain territories when mandalorian the first season came out it was only in certain countries i mean there are just recently some people finally got it in their country and were able to finally start watching mandalorian so let's not pretend that it's just an hbo thing when you're launching this stuff, this stuff, there are every single country has its own sets of legal entanglements and rights issues and licensing that they all have to deal with. It's not like HBO can just go, hey, we're just going to go global and everybody's just going to have to deal with it. No, every single country has its own laws and loopholes and licensing issues that they got to finagle and work through. And that's a big reason why Disney Plus couldn't just pop up in every country. Not to mention, you got to set up infrastructure and that takes time. And so you ask yourself the question, do we wait for four years to get this all moving or do we launch now and expand as we go? There are drawbacks to both, but you can't be, you can't sit around. If you're HBO, you cannot sit around and wait as Disney gets a three-year head start on you while you wait to launch all at once. You got to get in the race. And then you grow and expand as you go. And that is the whole growing pain issue, right? That's the whole growing pains element of it. So, uh, yeah, let's let's not be too hard on HBO for that. All right. Uh, Stephen Austin writes, not Steve Austin, Steve in Austin writes, if Black Widow does go to Disney+, Plus." Will Disney do a day and date release at home theaters like Warner Brothers is doing with Wonder Woman 84? Will Disney charge extra for it on Disney Plus like they did with Mulan? Will Disney simultaneously put it out on premium VOD like Mulan? No. No, I I mean, look, I don't know the answers. I don't I don't have a hotline to Bob Chapek or Bob Iger right now. I don't know the answers to that I'm, uh, as much as anybody. My suspicion is that... Disney got their asses spanked with that whole Mulan catastrophe. They that that was a just an utter disaster. They're going to just put it out if they do it. They're just going to put it out on Disney Plus. They're not going to do it with theatrical release because the reason they put it out on Disney Plus is because they want to get more and more people signing up to Disney Plus. They have a lot of momentum right now. They want to keep that momentum going. 
So why put it on a Disney Plus if you're going to give people a way to watch it without signing up for Disney Plus? I don't think they'll do that. Again, I don't know that they won't, but I don't think that they will do that. I think they'll just put it on Disney Plus, period. Because, again, I think that Mulan experiment blew up in their faces so badly and they lost so much money on that and and really hurt some of the goodwill they had with their own customers over that. Um that uh yeah i don't think you're gonna be seeing them I, I i don't suspect again they might i don't know that they're not going to they might but i i can't imagine them doing that so we'll have to wait and see steve and austin all right the black knight writes 2015 alternate universe the force awakens is released one week earlier in the uk does john campia jump on a plane uh what time frame would you wait always wanted to ask you this uh when you pointed out back in the day it came out a day before uh in another country if the force awakens debuted one week earlier no i would not have hopped on a plane and flown to another country to watch it i mean unless the country was canada but i'm assuming you're gonna mean overseas like in the uk Ooh, but how, where would I draw that line? I'll say three weeks. If, if the force awakens, the first new star Wars film to save us from the prequels was coming out and it was going to be out in the UK three weeks, maybe not two, definitely not one, but three weeks earlier in the UK. Yeah, I probably fly and I don't like flying. Oh, for a guy who doesn't like flying, I actually do a lot of flying, but I don't like flying. Uh, but I would probably fly to the UK to go and see that. I would probably fly to the UK to go and see that. So, whoo, what a thought, Black Knight. What a thought. All right. Uh, I got a stiffy rights. I don't know who needs to hear this, but HBO Max is now available on Amazon devices. Yeah, that news actually came out a number of days ago. And it is a good listen. And we always knew they would. Like, HBO Max made a tragic mistake launching without being on Roku and Amazon. But we always said from day one, they'll get the deals worked out. They will be on Roku and Amazon Fire Sticks. Don't worry about that. But they really should. That is one of the big things they botched. They should have had it ready to go on the two most popular streaming platforms in the world on day one. But they didn't. But it is now coming. All right. The Black Knight uh, Part 1 writes, I know you hate gimmicks. Well, no, some gimmicks can be okay. Gimmicks are gimmicks. Gimmicks are like anything else. They can be good. They can be bad. So, yeah. I know you hate gimmicks, but when 4DX D-Box came to Sheffield, UK, the Martian and Jurassic World screenings were packed. Moments like when Damon blew up the, the, the have or just setting off in the rocket and your seat mimicking the buildup was brilliant. Um... Because these movies had a ride element to them in 4X, uh, 4DX, do you think it had an unfair impact on the box office? The manager said uh, after a month, the normal screens were empty, but the 4DX screenings were still going strong. I don't, I don't think so. Like, I, let, let's put it this way. I don't think somebody who was not interested in seeing The Martian was going to go see The Martian just to watch it in 4DX. I think people who were going to see The Martian maybe heard, hey, watching The Martian in 4DX is actually pretty fun. So they chose to go into that theater. But I don't think it really made, made that big of a difference. Like Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime, AMC Prime theaters, they have these subwoofers built into the seats. So when a certain thing happens on the screen, you feel the rumbling in your seat. It's a great experience. And I love AMC Prime. But I wasn't going to go to see a movie I wasn't interested in at all just so I could see it in AMC Prime. You know what I mean? If I'm going to go to the movies to see that movie, I'll pick the AMC Prime Theater to see it in. 
But just because of the AMC Prime experience, I wasn't going to go to the movies and watch something I didn't like or had no interest in watching. So I think the same, my guess is Black Knight, that the same principle would probably apply there for uh, those movies you're mentioning. All right, just two more quick ones, guys, and then we got to call it a day. Ryan Loner writes, I'm pretty sure I can handle watching Gina Carano as long as I can keep my mind off the stuff she said. Now let's watch her hang out with a guy who always wears a mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well said, Ryan. Well said. Rather ironic, isn't it? Considering her tweets about wearing masks. <laughs> the irony of that. The, the pure irony of it, Ryan. Well said, sir. Well said. Uh, the Black Knight also writes, If you were in charge of Flashpoint and the script had every bat from Keaton to Affleck, they all get on board except Bale. Would you A, write him out, B, get an impersonator like MCU did with Red Skull and have him not take his off his mask? Um given he's one of the most iconic. That's a good question. That's a good question. Look, under normal circumstances, I just say replace the actor. But the whole thing about getting the old actors is what the whole gimmick is, right? It's all predicated on a gimmick. This is, again, why I was saying before that gimmicks can be good, gimmicks can be bad. It, you know, being a gimmick is not inherently good or bad. It's got to be used well or used badly. There's definitely a gimmick angle to having Michael Keaton. It's not about having the 89 Batman in it. It's about having Michael Keaton Batman in it. It's not about having the Batman from Batman versus Superman. It's about having Ben Affleck. That's the gimmick. And if that were to also, if that script also included the Christian Bale, you, you can't get another actor to do it because that sours the gimmick, right? That just ruins the gimmick. The whole gimmick is that it's Michael Keaton and that's Ben Affleck and that's Christian Bale. So for me, I think Lee, I honestly, I think I just uh, write him out. I think I just write the care. I just th write the character out and all that kind of stuff. All right, guys, that's all the time we have today. For, now uh, I'm going to do a companion video this weekend. I said I was going to do a companion video last weekend and I didn't end up doing it, but guess what? I bought a house. I'm not going to have having to decide whether or not I was buying a house going to be taking up my whole weekend. I am going to be able to do a companion video this weekend. And so this weekend, I'm going to do a companion video and we'll get caught up on all the remaining questions that we have from Andrew, Nathan, Viva, Willow, uh, High Flyers Tag Team. I love that name. So check on back this weekend, guys. I'm going to put up a companion video and I will get through all the remaining questions that we have. You sent in those questions. They deserve to be answered properly in a video and they will be. All right, guys. That'll do it for this installment and this week's worth of the John Campy Show. Thank you guys for spending your week here with us. Don't forget, we'll be back again on Monday. Two things are coming this weekend. Number one, we're going to have a companion video, but also number two on the podcast feed. Don't forget, guys, we've got a podcast feed as well where we put the John Campy Show up in audio edition, but we also do open mic podcasts exclusively on the podcast feed now. We're going to have a new open mic podcast going up this weekend as well. So we've got a couple of things coming this weekend. And guys, once again, like I said, Tender up your cow teats because here it goes. I'm going to milk it again. Going to milk it again. My little documentary movie trailers, the love story is going to be available next week, November 26th in certain markets like the U S UK and a couple of others. It'll be available on Amazon video. And for those of you where it's not available on Amazon video, rest of the worldwide, it is going to be available on Vimeo on demand. I'll of course provide all the links to them once I put them up. And uh, you guys, uh, I, I hope you check it out. 
and I hope you find it interesting. I am no Academy Award winning filmmaker. Let's I have no delusions of grandeur, but as a film fan, I think you're going to find this really interesting and I hope you enjoy it. So uh, make plans to check that out again, guys. Thanks so much for being here. Do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves and take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends. Bye bye.